2: What's going on, everybody? I am Jimmy Kempstein from FullyWars.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of and Green nation.com How you doing,
1: buddy? Jimmy, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, gr- great to be here with you. Obviously, before we get into things, want to mention that BGN Radio brought to you by the great folks at Righteous Fil and Craft Jerky. Hopefully, you already got some for your friends, your family for Christmas or holidays you're celebrating if not there's still time by going to right to sell and using discount code bgn15 jimmy also wanted to give a plug to the espionation nfl show where on the off day debrief podcast which i host with rob stats guerrera we had trey wingo on to talk about the eagles and jalen hurts and carson wentz and we'll obviously be talking about that in this episode
2: we're gonna talk about wentz and hurts
1: we will no i guarantee it
2: all right uh well they the eagles played a game on sunday they lost Uh, I think people came away from that game feeling okay uh, ish about a loss, and that the young quarterback, Jalen Hurts, played well. Uh, It was actually a watchable game for the first, well, I guess not the first time in a while they played. uh, It was a watchable game against New Orleans the week before. But this is actually a very entertaining game uh, against the Cardinals, and the team improved its draft position by losing. They went up from nine to seven in the draft order. Uh, This is, of course, a Dallas week now, uh, which. Yeah, I mean, have you have you even heard anyone say Dallas Week this week?
1: Barely, Jimmy. I think I've like barely <laughs> seen it used. I feel like maybe Seamus threw it out there because you know Seamus. It's always a big deal for Seamus Dallas okay. Week, no matter what.
2: Well, you got a four nine and one team. You got a four nine and one team, and a, what what's Dallas five and eight? Or no, no, yeah, five, uh, no, five and nine. They're five and nine.
1: Right. Yeah, because the Eagles are last in the NFC East. Yes.
2: Yeah. So it's not your typical fun, you know, Cowboys Week this week. But it is a potentially uh, meaningful game this Sunday. They, of course, moved the NFL, moved the Washington football uh, kickoff against the Carolina Panthers from one o'clock to four o'clock. So that uh, neither the Eagles nor the Cowboys would know that uh, would know if they're eliminated before their game even happens. Uh, Because if if Washington wins, then uh, both the Eagles and Cowboys are. Boom! They're done, like right on the spot. So uh, they move that game back. The Eagles need a lot of help to get into the playoffs, win the division. But uh, if they do win this week, and the Washington football team loses this week, then the Eagles can kind of take care of business on their own on seven uh, on week seventeen, and potentially win the NFC East. Of course, that's on the premise that the Giants are, they're likely to lose this week in a game in Baltimore against the Ravens, against the Ravens team that that actually needs that that game. So. Uh, they're not dead yet, which is crazy to say for a team that's four nine and one. But uh, obviously, if they do win the division, they can do so at no better than six nine and one, and that's just kind of how this season has gone, Brandon.
1: Yeah, I think it was thrilling, right? I feel like the game was like a thrill on on Sunday against the Cardinals, uh, which is a change, you know, how things have been going. Sure, right? so that was, yeah, that was nice and refreshing. And I saw in your in your write up uh, in your NFC obituary this week kind of talking about how, you know, like Eagles fans are feeling, you know, more optimistic and positive uh, for the first time in a long time, even though like everything in the big picture is still like not really <laughs> yeah. justifying that. So it's kind of a funny place to be. But, you know, I think that comes from Jalen Hurts looking good so far and he hasn't been perfect. Obviously there's been too many fumbles. He had three last week. He's up to six this season. Now, some of that, you know, was when he was doing the, uh, you know, those little gimmick plays. So you factor that in, but overall, It's hard not to be impressed, I feel like, Jimmy. And really, I know it's a small sample size, but something I'm really thinking about after that game against the Cardinals, which could have been a win, you know, if Dallas Goddard doesn't drop that pass in the end zone there and what, third and 21 or whatever it was. Um, And obviously, it was a good play by the Cardinals, too. They contested it. But still, I mean, if he doesn't drop that, maybe they win that game. Uh, Crazy to think. And I just, it's really hard to ignore how the offense has been more functional with Jalen Hurts. They just had their, for the first time all season, they went over 400 yards of offense in back-to-back games. Obviously, you're seeing the scoring going up as well, too. Just the way the whole team is kind of rallying around him and competing and playing their best football. The
2: question is, Jimmy, like, is this Jalen Hurts' team now? Well, it is for the rest of the year. They're not going to bench him at this point. He's played well in two straight games. They beat a ten and two Saints team. They could have beaten, uh, you know, a, a, a more talented. In my, I don't think the Cardinals are really that great. I think they're, you know, sort of an average team, maybe a little bit above average. But they they played them. They played them hard. Put them off. And uh, you know, you mentioned the uh, the Dallas Goddard drop. I mean, the, the defender did kind of knock that away, so I don't really put that on him. But if you look at like what the, the the play that they got from their special teams, they were just horrible. And the Eagles didn't turn the ball over at all. But that block punt was kind of like a turnover and that it's what's that worth like 60 yards of field position so uh that's just about it that's just as good as a turnover they score off of that so you know if, if they just get you know average play out of their special teams they might win that game and you gotta feel at least kind of you know optimistic about what Jalen Hurts can be as a quarterback you know you mentioned the fumbles which are a problem I think that his arm strength isn't great uh, his accuracy also hasn't been great so far. He's made a few, you know, rookie kind of mistakes. We never really got a good look. I, in fact, now that uh, now that I'm about to mention this, I this is something that I wanted to go back and look at the uh, the uh, the the coach's film on. But the uh, intentional grounding call that they called on him in the end zone, where they said he didn't get outside the tackle box, I thought it was close, but they didn't. It, Fox never showed a good uh, replay of that, so I never got a chance. I, I haven't. Got a chance to look and see if you actually get out of the tackle box or not. But nevertheless, I, I think he's got to do a better job of making sure that he's out of the tackle box there before he throws that ball away. So you do have like these, you know, gripes, and they're leg- legitimate gripes about Jalen Hurts' game, but I think some of them are fixable, like such as the fumbles, uh, maybe the accuracy. I don't think his arm strength is gonna improve all that much. Um, but and and certainly, you know, his awareness uh, on the field will only get better as as he keeps playing. But I think what he's shown through those first two starts of his is that he's got legitimate talent. He can actually obviously make plays with his legs. Uh, I think, um, you know, the moment has not looked uh, too big for him at any point uh, in any of these games. Obviously, the Eagles don't have a lot to play for, so it's not like it's like a high-pressure situation. But, you know, nevertheless, when you first step onto the field as an NFL player, surely you're going to have nerves, and I don't think we've really seen him, um, you know, have nervy type of play. So I think there's a lot to be encouraged by. Uh, certainly it's going to be his team for the rest of the year the question is will it be his team in 2021 and the way i kind of handicap that one now is yeah probably will be
1: (laughs) yeah i think that's the point i'm i'm reaching too it's just like i feel like i don't know that jalen hurts is a franchise quarterback you know a championship winning caliber franchise quarterback it we can't know that it's too small of a sample size it's too early to know but i think we've seen enough here To feel encouraged, that touchdown run, you know, where he had where he he runs over Buddha Baker, it was very very Dak-like. Yeah, like that. That was awesome. That was awesome. Like that. That touchdown is to get you fired up. Like that. That's just like I was like, wow. Like this guy. This guy can play. Like this guy. This guy's good. And obviously, he had some some big conversions in that game as well. I think of the fourth down. I really like what I've seen out of Jalen Hurts in terms of. I know his accuracy hasn't been consistent. But he really just has nice touch. Like I, I, really think that stood out. Like just you know, you're, you're seeing the, like, and that's something that's been so frustrating with Carson Wentz. Like he hasn't had that touch, and he's just overthrowing guys, especially in throws down the field and towards the sideline. Like Jalen Hurts can actually do that, which is a, it's a nice uh, change. Obviously, I think he can afford to prove like he can work the middle of the field more. We need to see that. Um, but overall, I, I just feel like I've been pretty encouraged what we've seen uh, out of Jalen Hurts and feel like the Eagles don't necessarily need to know that Jalen Hurts is you know this great championship caliber player to move forward with him as their guy like they don't need to know that right now he's on a cheap rookie deal they're not signing him to a contract extension anytime soon he's not even eligible until after 2022 Um, so I think that's something to consider it's like it's not that you have to know I think they just have to be encouraged and I think there's enough evidence to say here, even though it is a small sample size, because while it is small with him, it's not a small sample size with Carson Wentz. And I think, Jimmy, where we've reached the point with Carson Wentz here now, like, I I just think it's time to turn the page on him. Like, that's a weird thing that might seem like drastic after just such, you know, a small showing from Hertz. But I kind of just think it's at the point where the relationship is fractured between Carson Wentz and the team, and obviously we saw that report come out on Sunday morning. And I want to read it here because I think it's important to do that because there's been all this talk about the Adam Schefter report. Carson Wentz is not interested in being a backup quarterback and would want to move on from the Eagles if the current situation with Jalen Hurts starting under center continues in Philadelphia, comma, sources connected to the team tell ESPN. Although the Eagles quarterback situation remains fluid with three games left this season, Wentz is not pleased with the way events have unfolded in the organization, according to sources. Eagles coach Doug Peterson has not stated whether the quarterback switch is permanent, only going so far as to announce Hertz as the starter for Sunday. But player and team sources told ESPN's Chris Mortensen last weekend that Hertz will remain the starter this season. Philadelphia's decision to bench Wentz for Hertz has garnered attention of other teams around the NFL, with some expected to inquire about Wentz's availability in a trade, according to sources. So, Jimmy, one thing that I've seen in the aftermath of all this, re- in, the, in the reaction to this report, is everyone being like, well, duh, he doesn't want to, who, who, who would expect him to want to be a backup? And I think that is the coldest take to come out of this thing. Who is, like, no one is disagreeing with that. Like, everyone keeps saying, like, like, oh, yeah, it's obvious. Why is this even a report? Well, it's a report because someone, presumably, from Carson Wentz's camp. I know Schefter went on uh, 97.5. Yeah, he did some backtracking on that report. He he, you know, he went on the Fanatic and he said, you know, it wasn't from Wentz. It wasn't from Wentz's agents. But that doesn't mean it wasn't from Wentz's camp because it makes sense that that report would be from Carson sure, Wentz's camp. Of course, yeah. Because that's where the motivation is from. Why, why would the Eagles be motivated to put that out there? and like hurt their leverage in a trade if they want to trade Carson Wentz. So I think it's one thing for Carson Wentz to feel the way he does and doesn't want to be a backup and expresses that internally. And I think that is totally fine. And I don't think anyone really is or should be taking issue with that. I think it's a different thing. It is a whole nother thing when someone from Carson Wentz's camp, presumably with his permission and him greenlighting it, or at least being aware of it, leaks that to the media, to Adam Schefter on game day morning and has that out there. Do you agree?
2: Well, we don't know when Schefter got that information, but surely anyone who's been around the league long enough knows how that information is going to get used, especially in season. Like Schefter's going to use that on T V on the morning of the Sunday games. It's just what they it's just what the T V guys do. Um, so, you know, I don't know if like they purposely leaked it on, you know, for game day or whatever, but certainly to leak it at all in season when you know you and I you and I may, may look at this team and think well who cares about the playoffs they're done it's better if they get draft positioning it's better if they move on but that's not how the team is thinking like the team's still trying to win games so for that to come out in season is you know potentially not potentially it's like it's going to cause a distraction uh to you know the players and, and the coaching staff and whoever else uh in the locker room and, and on the team so um. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I think that the. You know, it's clear it came from somebody associated with Wentz. Now, whether it was Wentz himself or specifically Wentz's agent, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be one of those two guys. It could be somebody else. You know, involved with them in some way. Uh. But yeah, I mean, I. I think that. Uh. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's really no other explanation on who it could, who who it could possibly be coming from. Again, as you mentioned, because you know, the team only hurts their leverage if, if, if they were the ones to have done that. So the other sort of thing that, that, I, that I've seen out there is, and a lot of people are responding, well, didn't Jalen Hurts do the same thing in college? And no, no, he absolutely didn't. He got benched at halftime of the national championship game for Tua Tonga, Tonga-Vailoa. Tua goes out, you know, wins that game. Jalen Hurts stayed on the team that year lost a quarterback competition with TuA that you know that next offseason stayed on Alabama's team the entirety of that season I think he played a little bit when Tua got, got a little bit banged up but he stayed as the backup on that team for a full season uh graduated from Alabama and then transferred to Oklahoma when it was clear that TuA was going to be the starting quarterback so it's not really the same thing as being benched and then within two weeks, <laughs> saying that you don't want to be on the team anymore, so uh, I, I disagree with uh, th- with the sentiment that uh, Jalen Hurts did "quote unquote" the same exact thing. But it, it was sort of um, a weird report, and then Schefter came on uh 975 and complained that you know everyone read his report wrong. Well, if everyone got the, read the report wrong, maybe you didn't write it <laughs> the way that uh, that you were hoping to. So. Uh, or the or the you know, you maybe didn't maybe you wrote it in a way that, that was uh unclear or whatever. But um yeah, I, I think the uh the, the report is uh very interesting and I think the fallout uh, of the report is kind of silly. Yeah, my takeaway, one of my
1: biggest takeaways from that report though is that like how do we envision the Eagles having like a quarterback competition when Carson Wentz is or you know, there's sentiment out here that Carson Wentz doesn't even know he's not he's no interest in being the backup. And like he's he also has interest in making that known that he doesn't want to be the backup. Um, now, obviously, the team has the control. Parson Wentz can be disgruntled. The team, Yeah, can what, say, I mean, what's, he, what's he
2: gonna do? Like, is, he's what's he gonna do? Hold out and yep. just and like not collect on, you know, tens of millions of guaranteed dollars? Like, that's just not gonna happen. So, right now, Wentz is sorry to cut you off, but Wentz doesn't really have any leverage at all because again, he doesn't really have any other options. He's, he's either gonna play or Or hope to get traded, but he can't. It's not a situation where he can really force his way out. Even if the best uh, path, uh, I think, for maybe everyone at this point is if they do find a trade partner for him.
1: Yeah, but it would be messy, admittedly. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred and twenty million dollar quarterback on the bench, disgruntled. Um, It's just like an awkward dynamic, and especially as far as leadership goes. Like, who's the leader of the team? You know, who's like not that? I don't. You know, I don't know how much that matters to some extent, but, but it it's, it's relevant and it's just, it's a weird dynamic. And, uh, I just think the Eagles are at a point here, Jimmy, where it makes the most sense for both Carson Wentz and the team to move on. I really think it's time to turn the page on Carson Wentz. I just, and by the way, go back to the reporting. I want to say that, like, it makes sense when you think about how delicately Doug Peterson has handled this Carson Wentz deal and Hertz dynamic. Like, after the game, even on Sunday against the Cardinals, refusing to name Jalen Hurts as the starter for the next right. week. Like everything's been so delicate. And then Dan or- Orlovsky had said last week that quote like a lot of people feel that Wentz feels betrayed, which is just ridiculous to me because Carson Wentz, like it can be true that the Eagles failed him, but it's also true that Carson Wentz has failed himself which I think people need to account for. And uh, yeah, so I I just have a hard time seeing how this becomes like a quarterback competition next year. And like, that's really what's going to happen and how that's conducive to success for the team. I just, I don't see it. And I also just don't see how the Eagles really, as I've said here before, like bringing a new head coach, first first justifying Doug Peterson getting fired, even though the offense is looking better without Carson Wentz and kind of, you know, showing that Wentz was probably more of the problem. So like, so am I crazy to say that like we've reached a point where the Eagles should turn the page and Carson Wentz?
2: Yeah. So I originally thought that it was pretty unrealistic to, um, to, to trade him because I think if you trade him, you have to get something good back in return. Um, and I don't think that I didn't think that the return that they would get matches what other teams would be willing to give up for him. Uh, so I just didn't think that a deal would get done. But when you, I think there is something to the 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 uh the thinking that these two guys can't coexist and not because they don't like each other or anything like that um i don't really know much about what their relationship is but just but more so from the perspective that they're both you know in my opinion alpha type of uh uh, players and personalities and you know obviously you can't play both of them so uh, i do think one of them has to go and i think the clear player that makes the most sense who it hasn't didn't play well obviously at all in 2020 and uh, has a huge cap hit. And if you get rid of him now, you could just kind of tear off the band aid, uh, take that hit in 2021. He actually saved uh, about a million bucks and then he's not on your cap at all in 2022 and beyond. Whereas if you keep him, he's going to be on your cap in on 2021 at like 34 million. And then, uh, when you pay his uh 10 million dollar roster bonus in on the 3rd day of uh the new league year that automatically triggers i think it's like 22 million in uh guaranteed money for 2022 and then mm-hmm. you're stuck with that so you're stuck with him for 56 million if you keep him this year whereas if you just if you find a trade partner with him you you're only take only is a relative term but you're only taking a, a cap hit of a little bit under 34 million so uh i do yeah i'm with you i think you know of the two quarterbacks the clear answer is to uh, stick with Jalen Hurts if you're going to go with one guy or the other, and uh, yeah, I, I do think uh, originally I thought that it was unrealistic that they would trade him, but I think that uh, it's kind of come to a head here, and they got to you know go one way or the other, and I think they are going to deal him. I think so. When you just framed it right there, I think that's the most like I think that's
1: the crux to all of this is that you know you keep him on the third day of the league year, and you're not. I think like it's very tempting to be in our heads like you just keep him one more year and like you see how it goes but like it's not really it doesn't really work like that like it's either i feel like it's either zero years or two like those are your options right like when you're talking about that 22 guarantee mm-hmm. that 2022 20, yes. guarantee because it's either like you get out now and the way that um i think kissed phrased it well here michael kissed phrased it well here on the uh, bgn radio post game show was um like you have to rip the band-aid off like you just you gotta do it now as opposed to trying to do it slowly and i think if you so if you get rid of them this year and you're able to do it you know before that third day then yeah you're not giving him that guarantee into 2022 but if you keep him around then you're making a commitment for a whole another year right. beyond you know 2021 yes. and i just think like that's hard to do like like how can you have that confidence to do that so, I think that's the important point here that people kind of like aren't weighing enough. It's, it's, I think it's in a perfect world, in a simple world, it's like you just keep them. You'd ideally want to keep them for like one year and have this quarterback competition and see how things go from there. But I just don't know like that that's realistic. Couldn't agree more, buddy. All right. So, Jimmy, BGN Radio brought to you by Righteous Fell Craft Jerky. As I tell you every week, I think Dan wanted me, like, he, I brought up how, you know, it's like, why do I hawk this product all the time? And he wanted me to tell you because they pay me money to do so. So uh, go out and get some righteous to craft Jerky. It is a product that I stand by. I love food. I've tried it. I've tried all their different flavors, literally like every single one of their different flavors, except for the foul Capone, uh, Turkey Jerky. I've not tried that, but they, like the OG Hickory, uh, Victorious B.I.G. but the Bourbon Franklin, Habanero Escobar, all this stuff, really good beef jerky flavors. They have non-meat snacks as well on their site, righttosellen.com. They have cool gear. They have like a nice cool logo and everything. So you can check that out by going once again to righttosellen.com and using discount code BGN15 at checkout, get 15% off. You're helping support a local business. You're helping support BGN Radio. Uh, So yeah, wins all around. Go do it. Jimmy, we will be back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 161. Jimmy, we have the quarterback stuff out of the way, but it's kind of uh, hard, again, to feel great about the team, even though there's been some life in the short term. And something that might get lost in the the Carson Wentz, uh, Jalen Hurts thing, or at least something I've been thinking about, it's like, even though I think moving to Hurts could be the right answer, I still have concern about this team's ability to build around him, especially when they have, the league's like least flexible roster and you know they have the cap situation the way uh it is and the person who created that situation and also the person who has contributed to poor drafting for this team uh howie roseman jimmy you know a couple weeks ago when we were doing this podcast you said you felt like there was a uh, 40 percent chance that he would be back
2: yeah i had him more likely to go than stay um if I may, I like to flip flop on that.
1: <laughs> I think he. Well, yeah. <laughs> now we're now we're hearing that uh, you know Paul Domowich reported in the Inquirer that Jeffrey Lurie is not even considered firing. It's not even like the realm of possibility of firing Howie was.
2: Yeah, uh, Damos a great reporter. Damos is never going to put anything out there just for the sake of attention. Uh, doesn't want attention. Doesn't need it. So if he hears something, then you know it's he's he's not like fabricating anything. So interesting report from him. <laughs> It is important also to note that, uh, as Joe Banner even noted, uh, well, a couple couple weeks ago, you know, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Lurie, and he's right. Jeffrey Lurie plays things very close to the vest. So if he is thinking of, you know, firing Howie Roseman, we wouldn't know. Maybe. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, to be determined whether he stays or go goes, this is already well covered ground here on the podcast and elsewhere. But the roster is bad. It's old. And it's expensive and it's going to take, you know, years to get out of uh, some of these contracts that some of these bad, really bad contracts that they have. Um, And it's not going to be an easy fix. And uh, again, as we've been through on the podcast before, in my opinion, you know, well, not my opinion. I mean, it's very clear that they're in this position because Howie Roseman put them there. And if I don't think like in the short term, you can't trust that he's going to make decisions uh for the long-term interest of the long-term betterment uh, of the uh, of the team because when general managers feel that they are potentially on the hot seat or in, in jeopardy of losing their job then they're going to make short-term decisions to get short-term results to keep their job short-term and hopefully long-term but basically it becomes sort of a, a pyramid scheme of trying to you know, like keep keep your job year after year after year. And that's not a good cycle to begin. At the same time, you can't just say, okay, Howie, your job's safe. Uh, we'll give you three years to fix it because he doesn't deserve it. He's had three straight horrible years, horrible off seasons, that is. He hasn't drafted well. His free agent acquisitions have been bad. And then I think even um, more concerning is not just that he hasn't, you know, signed uh, players that have panned out or drafted players that have panned out, And there's all kinds of examples of players that he should have drafted instead of this guy. You know, of course, D.K. Metcalf, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, on and on and on, blah, 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 blah. blah. But just their general overall strategy of roster building has been really flawed over the last – really ever since they, they won the Super Bowl. And again, like I just can't see any logical reason for Jeffrey Lurie to keep Howie around other than comfortability with him
1: yeah and that's obviously the key factor like having someone he can trust yes and i think that's frustrating because like while because we want to see i think we both think that one of the best options is to just clean house and start anew but the problem with that i, I think from larry's perspective is he doesn't want to do that because so like then who does he trust does he trust the head coach more does he trust the gm it's these like totally new guys So I can understand it. I don't agree with it, obviously. Well, the the
2: fans don't care about Jeffrey Lurie's comfortability, but Jeffrey Lurie owns the team, and he sure as hell cares about his comfortability. So, I mean, that's sort of the the disconnect there between, uh, you know, what Howie may – or what Jeffrey may be thinking about Howie and how the fans and the media view
1: Howie. So related to this report, or at least what I believe is related to the news that Howie Roseman isn't even – in jeopardy of losing his job is this report that comes out on Saturday, Jimmy, that the Eagles have hired John Dorsey, mm-hmm. former uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Cleveland Browns general manager, as a front office consultant. And in addition to that, because as you as you reported earlier this year, which feels crazy to me that that was this year, but you reported earlier this the, year. That's that, you know, right.
2: That, yeah, that was that that came. I got that at the senior bowl.
1: Yeah. Uh, late January that the Eagles have, you know, used uh, Scott McClone yes. as a, but I want to say like the reporting from Mike Gar- 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 Garofalo, Garofalo. Garofalo. Um, why can't I say that? Garofalo, Garofalo. 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 You, you, you do the
2: same thing with uh, Tom Palisero You called him Tom Pellicero pa-
1: Yeah. yeah I, I don't know what I'm doing there. Uh, <laughs> I'm not good at words. You're
2: a, you're a bad Italian name pronouncer.
1: Yeah. Uh, ben DiNucci, I got that That's one. That's right. There um, you go. But I think this report came out. uh, Oh, the other thing interesting about this report was that, like Mike said, that there's potential for Dorsey to stay on in a bigger role. Like he kind of he he left the door open for that Mm -hmm. here, and the timing of this to come out right after the Howie stuff to me, if I'm like tea leave reading here, it it makes me feel like that was kind of leaked out there to kind of like make Eagles fans feel good, or at least like like kind of kind of cool down the, the flames there a yeah, little bit yeah, yeah. because it's like, oh, well, at least they're going to bring in a football guy could to help run the team, which I think is pathetic to me. <laughs> I think that is so lame that the Eagles would turn to another half measure attempt right. instead of, you know, making the full clean cut. And I also think Dorsey's overrated. I think there's surface level appeal because people look like, oh, the Browns are good now. And the Chiefs, obviously, the Chiefs are great, you know, and he built those teams. Yeah, but like those teams moved on from him and they got better. They got they reached their highest peaks when he was gone. Right. And there's a reason when he's gone, because it seems like he's like this guy who kind of, uh, you know, burns out places. There's people like that in, in the sports industry that we see. They kind of, you know, they go somewhere and they, they don't last very long. They wear out their welcome, so to speak. So. I think you look at his track record and there's actually a column that i i linked to on booting green nations called don't hire john dorsey as your uh, team's general manager <laughs> it was written earlier this month and it kind of just went over as like his failings with the browns uh and in advance think, of this report uh yeah that's funny. Yes. well well there's a report that came out i think earlier in december um that like dorsey was getting uh gm buzz okay and could possibly be a package deal with eric Bieniemy. so okay. i think it was written around that time uh yeah And another thing I want to say about this too with Dorsey, because I think like it's gonna be sold if it happens, is you know, Dorsey's the football guy, you know, he's gonna be helping make the picks. First of all, Howie Roseman is gonna have final say. So that doesn't change anything to me. This idea that like you just have to put Howie in charge of the cap stuff and get a draft guy is so stupid. I hate that people keep saying this. It drives me insane. The cap is not in good shape. He's handing out Howie Roseman has handed out some of the worst contracts in the NFL. He's arguably handed the worst contract. In the NFL, and Alshon Jeffries yeah. that literally made the list of the worst contracts uh, deemed by OverTheCap.com. Didn't uh, like, didn't they? No,
2: wasn't it uh, Jeffrey and Wentz were both on there? Wentz was like number nine. Wentz yeah, was a, Wentz yeah. was at least defensible. Like nobody complained about that contract at the time, but when he restructured Alshon, everyone was like, "Huh? <laughs> like, what, yeah. what was the purpose of this?" And then it there was no out, upside. And, yeah. and then it turned out to be hor- like nobody expected it to be to turn out as horribly as it did, but obviously it became just a, an albatross of a contract but yes I'm with you certainly uh the idea he has this reputation as being like this cap money genius and he's really done a really bad job over the last three years managing the cap and you know they're they're, all, they're gonna be almost 70 million over the cap they're gonna have to like restructure a bunch of guys that like they don't want to just to get back you know under the cap like they're gonna have to figure out which guys are like the the lesser of all evils so like you're probably going to have to restructure a guy like Brandon Graham, for example, and kick his money. He's what is he like 33 already? So you're going to have to kick his money further down the road. Uh, you, you have to pick a few other guys too that you're going to have to restructure. Uh, you know, pay him uh, a, a, a signing bonus up front, and then sort of uh, allocate that money um, uh, across the rest of basically turn his salary into a, into a signing bonus, and then spread that money over the over the life of the contract. They don't want to, they shouldn't, like, it's a bad idea to have to do that, to, like, to, to do that at this point. You can't keep kicking money down the road. And really, in my opinion, really, should, 2021, is, as, as you mentioned before, should be sort of that year that they just tear the Band-Aid off, prepare to just have a bad year and, and, you know, sort of take their lumps that year, come back in 2022, have a lot of cap space, have some maneuverability. And, but they're, they, again, like I said, they're going to have to pick some guys where they, where they, um, uh, you know, restructure them, and they're only in that position because Harry Roseman mismanaged the cap so badly. So, I'm with you totally. Like, it's a very annoying, uh, sort of uh, reputation that that he has gotten. And as you mentioned, he's going to be in charge no matter who they bring in mm-hmm. of the final personnel. Then, with that who he mentioned, I don't know what, did, did they, nobody specified exactly what. Dorsey's current role
1: is right they just said he's you know been consulting with the team I think since prior to the 2020 NFL draft so if you're really excited about the guy who was <laughs> in the room when the Eagles you know w- went with Dylan Rager over Justin Jefferson then great yeah he's going to fix everything he's going to help this team draft just great
2: so McLuhan my understanding of of the way that he he like works directly for Howie and like the Howie will give him, you know, certain guys to scout, or or McLuhan will give recommendations of, of players that he likes. McLuhan basically has his own scouting company, for lack of a better way of putting it. He lives out in, uh, I think, I believe it's Colorado. He doesn't like come to, uh, as far as I understand, he doesn't come to the building uh, much, yeah. if at all. Uh, and he just kind of does scouting from uh, his home in Colorado for Howie and uh, maybe another team or two. But uh, the Eagles are the only. I believe they're the only known team that he does consulting for at this time. So I don't know if Dorsey has a similar role as uh, what McClune, I don't even know if McLuhan is still working for the team, but he certainly was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, before the draft as well. But uh, so I don't know what kind of, if if Dorsey's role is similar to that, but uh, I'm with you. Like, I I think you make sense when you say that, you know, they sort of, the the timing of this coming out is sort of interesting in that a lot of people were sort of calling for uh, Howie's job and, they may be setting up, uh, you know, to say, "All right, well, he's the uh, he's he's a big time personnel guy that that we're bringing in now, so that'll be better." Fans, don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and then they'll just fire John Dorsey if things go wrong, <laughs> right? Like in the right, future, right. Then, you know, Howie's he's fine because people did that with Joe Douglas. You're like, "Oh, well, you know, it was Joe Douglas who made those bad picks in 2017. Right. It wasn't Howie." I just want to get out in front of that one. We'll see what happens. that might not even happen. It might just be that he's consulting like McLuhan was. We'll see. Jimmy, you mentioned Brandon Graham yes. earlier. And I just want to give a big round of applause to Brandon Graham, pro bowler for the first time in his career. I posted the video of uh, that his wife had posted on Instagram. I shared it on Twitter because I want to, to blast I, I that love, out. I
2: love his kid, man.
1: Yeah. Well, both – yeah, his, his daughter. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was great to see. They're they're also happy for him. Uh Brandon Graham's wife was like, BG, and he was smiling, you know, that Brandon Graham smile as, that he loved to see.
2: As a father myself, like that that daughter of his loves yeah. her father. Like that yeah. is the most clear thing ever. And his, his like we we've gotten a pretty, you know, uh solid glimpse into his home life. Like they, they featured him pretty prominently in uh, all or nothing. Uh, the Eagles' documentary of their, what, what season was that? Was it 2018 or is it 2019? Last year, was last year. Okay, um, yeah. and you know, just a, I mean, I've I've been around Brandon Graham for almost a decade now, and uh, he's he's uh, he's always been sort of my favorite personality uh, on the team. He's always been you know super gregarious, just a really really nice guy. Like I think. Uh, people know him as the guy who blocks everyone on Twitter, but he, like, it, like to, to actually you know be able to interact with him personally, like he's uh by far sort of like him and Donnie Jones are my two favorite uh, personalities that that I've ever covered on the Eagles, and I was really really happy for him when he made the uh, big play in the Super Bowl. that sort of that sealed it, but you know, really, yeah, uh, was the biggest play in that game in terms of like, uh adding percentage points to the probability of win in that game. And I was really happy for him that, that he was able to make that play. And, and I'm happy for him now that he finally was able to – maybe he doesn't deserve it. like He, only had, he, he had like seven sacks <laughs> in his first in his first eight games. And he has had none in the last six. And there's probably some you know, fans of other teams that are like pointing to their players saying like he's got better numbers than Brandon Graham. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, shh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm happy for him that he was finally able to get it because it means a lot to him. Have, like in the in the uh, NovaCare complex there's a hallway that leads essentially from the locker room to the auditorium area and there's pictures of all the players i don't know how far back that goes probably just like 10 15 years or something like that uh i know Jason
1: Davenport is on there yeah it
2: is yes yeah. so uh <laughs> they have pictures of all the players that that made the pro bowl and uh, he talked about you know wanting to have his picture on there and now it will be so uh it really meant a lot to him to to finally get into the Pro Bowl and and again like I'm to take off my super serious journalist hat here uh, I'm I'm happy that that he was able to finally make it. Brandon
1: Graham is an all time Eagle and a Pro Bowl just kind of further cements his legacy in that regard. I mean you know obviously he doesn't change much. He's going to be a, a future uh, Eagles Hall of Fame member one day and uh, I look forward to that day and I look forward to Brandon Graham being in the media after his career. Well by the way I think he said he wants to play. Um, 15 years was always his <laughs> right goal. yeah he's at year 11 so he, i i can see him having four, more years left i think i think of like older pass rushers in the league that have been around that's I think crazy. A, yeah a, like cam wake i think was playing until like 37 38 mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of a similar player in terms of more like a power rusher than a pure speed rusher i even think of i remember like jonathan abram played till he was like 38 like there's there's pass rushers that play until they're they're pretty old and uh jonathan allen being, you mean
2: what who'd you say what a, Jonathan Abram Oh, for the Falcons. Oh, John Abraham. Uh, Yeah, what did I say? (laughs) Jonathan Abram. Abram? Yeah, Abraham. He he was a safety that played for Mississippi State, who I think got drafted by the Raiders. That's Jonathan Abram. You're thinking of John Abraham. (laughs) It's funny. That's weird. That's really bizarre. (laughs)
1: Um, But, yeah, I I think he can play for a long time, and I think that's great to see. You know, he finally makes the Pro Bowl. Obviously, uh, Fletcher Cox and uh, Jason Kelsey did as well. Jimmy, though, want to get to this week, turning to this week. What kind of Cowboys matchups do you have as we enter a big game? As you said up earlier, I mean, this game, this game has some juice. I know it's like a meaningless season, I know it's two bad teams, but uh it's it's a game that matters. That could potentially, you know, the Eagles win this week and they get the help from the Giants, let's say, and let's say the Washington football team, which we'll get to later after this segment. Let's say they lose to the Panthers, only two point favorites. Could set up an NFC's title game at the link next week. So, so what matchups do you have to watch for in this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, you got Dwayne Haskins, uh, and that whole situation with COVID, and then you have uh, Dan Snyder. <laughs> it's revealed that he's paying out was at was it, Yeah, something, something million, uh, to cover up is the wrong way to put it, but to silence, uh. Hmm. whatever, uh, settle, <laughs> whatever. Is the official term. What, whatever, whatever it was, but they have distractions galore there. So yeah, I, I think the, um, uh, the, you know, the obvious matchup when the Eagles have the ball is that Ca- Cowboys run defense is just absolutely atrocious. I mean, they've been bad all year. I mean, they've had games where they've given up almost 300 yards rushing, um, I mean, they've just gotten stomped on all year. And I think that's sort of the Eagles' new identity offensively is is that they're now a running team. Uh, we saw how they put up, what was it, 246 yards against the uh, Saints uh, in their win over them. And then last week, uh, not quite as effective on the ground against the Cardinals, but uh, Hertz and, and Miles Sanders both uh, rushed for over 60 yards. Hertz had that impressive touchdown run, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, so they're averaging 180 something yards uh, per game since Jalen Hurts became the starter. And uh, that is obvious. Uh, that is obviously going to be you'd think, anyway. The, uh, the Eagles' game plan uh, in this game is to, to run it a lot because the Cowboys haven't been able to stop it. And then, uh, you know, on the other side of the ball, the other real obvious matchup is you're going to have Darius Slay uh, trailing Amari Cooper uh, as he did. When he was with Detroit a year ago, I think he got targeted like six times in that Lions Cowboys game a year ago. He gave up two catches for like 33 yards or something like that. So he did a really good job in that game. And then in week eight earlier this year, again, with the uh, caveat that uh, it was Ben DiNucci at quarterback, uh, Mari Cooper was targeted five times, one catch for five yards. Uh, Brandon Graham, uh, you know, boasting that. Uh, he got into Amari Cooper's head during that game, <laughs> saying yeah. that Amari Cooper had kind of quit at some point during that game. But, again, Darius Slate did a good job on him uh, in Week 8. So that's a, that's a matchup that um, is going to be of importance. But where the, where the Cowboys can really capitalize is that, I mean, you have Avante Maddox out. Maddox didn't play well this year, uh, but he's still out. Starter that's out. You have Rodney McLeod now out for the season. And you have all these no-name guys, Michael Jaquette, uh, who I thought – You know, really battled uh, against the Cardinals, but doesn't have a lot of experience, obviously, is an undrafted rookie free agent. Um, You have guys like uh, Kevon Seymour getting a significant playing time. You have, you know, guys in the secondary like Marcus Epps and such. So you have a really depleted uh, secondary because of injuries. And, uh, you know, certainly the wide receiver position for the Cowboys is the strength of that team just overall with uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, who's a really good young receiver. And of course, the rookie that everyone would have been thrilled with the Eagles had they gotten him in the draft, uh, CD Lamb, who's uh, had a very good year as the Cowboys' slot receiver. So I think that's really the one to watch. Uh, you know, when when the Cowboys are on offense, I would throw in there uh, two
1: two of the biggest things I'm watching: uh, Matt Pryor yes. going up against Marcus Lawrence. Do you think, Don't love do you think that?
2: Start, Doug would normally get asked by now, uh, who, could, like whether Pryor was still going to be starting at right tackle? He was. He was. He was really bad in that Cardinals game. Like he gave up. It's not a tackle. He gave up three sacks in that game, and they were all pretty ugly. Uh, actually, I guess one of the sacks, somebody else got the sack, but he was definitely at fault for it. Uh, so I wonder if they're going to make a move there, whether they put in. I mean, they don't have, they don't have any options left because they're down They're down four guys. I mean, they're down Lane Johnson, Jack Driscoll, uh, Andre Dillard, and Jason Peters. So if they did have somebody else in there, it would be Brett Toth. Yeah. Uh, mm. It's not going to happen. If the Eagles get mathematically eliminated, maybe at that point we might see a little Prince Tago Winogo. But until that happens, I, I can't imagine him possibly saying. So it's either going to be Pryor or Brett Toth, and I imagine they're just going to keep Pryor in there. But you were going to probably mention that uh, it'll be Matt Pryor against DeMarcus Lawrence.
1: Yeah, not a great matchup that I love, especially with Jalen Hurts You know, fumbling the ball here. I could just see you know him getting uh, strip-sacked
2: a little bit there. Uh, so I don't love that. Uh, although he's been a terrible deep- signing for the for the he got twenty one million dollars a year, DeMarcus market yeah. and during the twenty nineteen offseason. In thirty games uh since he got that deal, he's got ten point five sacks. Uh so mm-hmm. they probably regret that one a little bit. But uh certainly he's uh he's a player that, that that can yeah, he's still a good player and he can do some damage. And I imagine that he will against Matt Breyer.
1: Yeah, so that's one thing I'm concerned about. Although the Cowboys defense as a whole, still like bad, bad unit, yes. Mike Nolan. Uh, joke shouldn't have a job yeah and it could be even worse potentially this week uh Leighton Vander Esch Antoine Woods starting defensive tackle and uh, uh Xavier Woods starting safety looks like they'll all potentially be out they didn't practice on Wednesday and Mike McCarthy seemed like pretty pessimistic about their chances of playing this week so already bad Cowboys defense might be without three starters um so I do like that and you mentioned you know running the ball earlier specifically a like, good way for the Eagles to uh, attack them this week and then I think. Uh, a case of subtraction by addition is the return of Ezekiel Elliott, yes. who uh, missed last week's game with a calf injury. Jimmy, in Ezekiel Elliott's hashtag last seven games, he is at 3.8 yards per carry. And uh, what's his name? I, I just totally the Tony Pollard. To yeah, the other running back. Yeah, Tony. I, I don't know why <laughs> I couldn't think of him. Tony Pollard uh, is at 4.9 yards per carry. He's clearly a more efficient, dynamic weapon and I think the Cowboys getting Zeke back is actually going to hurt them because they're going to give the ball to him. And it's kind of going to be a waste of plays, especially going up against an Eagles run defense that, you know, that's kind of a unit you trust, or at least more so um, against running backs, obviously, than wide receivers or quarterbacks. So, uh, yeah, so I think those are the two big things for me and kind of the two things that I think. Well, one thing, I mean, prior, obviously not working in the Eagles favor, but Zeke's return um, working in the Eagles favor, and uh, and feeling feeling like relatively optimistic about the defense. I know, you know, it's kind of weird to say, you know, because they, they they gave up a bunch of yards to the Cardinals. Um, gave up 31 offensive points. You know, you take the safety out of there. But like, I look at that performance against Arizona, and two of the touchdowns were like incredible plays that were well contested yes. by future Hall of Famers in DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald, and uh, and obviously another touchdown came right off that block punt. Um, so kind of hard to fully fault the defense for that one. And they had forced three turnovers. So I have some level of optimism about the defense. What do you think of those?
2: Yeah, uh, Jim. Sh- the heat on Jim Schwartz is, has subsided uh, quite a bit over the last few weeks. So I agree. Yeah, the defense has played a lot better. I agree with uh, it, the, the premise that uh, subtraction by addition with, with Zeke Elliott, he's cooked, man. Like He just doesn't look anything close to what he was in his rookie in his second year. Um, and, and I think Tony Pollard is probably the better player at this point. Do you see the run that he had, uh, against the Niners at the end of that sealed that game? It's a 40 yard, it was a 40 yard no. touchdown run. He broke like three tackles, he like ducked under, he was ducked under a guy and, and uh, took it to the house, like really, really nice run. And, uh, he, not only is, um, is, is he, does he have more juice as a runner? I think is he's more effective in the passing game too. He's like one of the, like he came from Memphis. So Memphis has had like a few of those guys now that like could either operate as, as as a running back or like a slot. Antonio Gibson was another one who's you know yep. starting as a rookie for for Washington. Um, so he comes from that offense there where they're, they're running backs and th- I mean, they're, they're sort of like inter- interchangeably used as running backs and slot receivers. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's like six catches for 63 yards against the Niners last week. So he's uh he's a good player. And the, one other matchup I will note too is, um, the Cowboys aren't just without Dak Prescott. They're also without both of their starting offensive tackles in uh, right tackle, Lyell Collins, and uh, their left tackle, Tyron Smith. So it's probably uh, uh, noteworthy to men- mention them. Off the top of my head, I believe the right tackle is Terrence Steele, and yep. the left tackle is Brandon Knight. And yep. I, I, if I'm being honest, I didn't go back and watch their tape or anything like that to to evaluate them for myself. So I'll go the lazy route here. And I'll say it again, if I have these numbers wrong, my apologies. But I think Pro Football Focus had Brandon Knight rated as the 80th, either the 80th or the 81st out of 83 offensive tackles, and Terrence Steele. they those guys are 80 and 81 in whatever order. So they're they're, uh, they're ranked 80 and 81 out of 83 offensive tackles. So um, it's a game where Brandon Graham. Derek Barnett, maybe going to care. Josh Sweat isn't going to play because his wrist injury is going to keep him out, as Doug Peterson said, "quote unquote," for some time. Uh, so we're not get, going to get to see him probably for the rest of the year. But this is a game where uh, it's an opportunity for for Derek Barnett and uh, Brandon Graham to make some noise.
1: To so, I me, mean, it's also an opportunity for you right now to talk about Kristen Roach from Roach Realtors.
2: Yeah, so kind of a dead period of the real estate business in this area of the country, anyway, when it gets really cold christmas time and holidays and blah 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 blah. not a lot of people moving right now so if you are thinking of selling or buying a house or selling your house really more or renting or or renting your house uh renting a house but if you're looking to sell your home maybe in the spring you know now it's a pretty good time uh to kind of get an idea of what you would list it for so if you're looking for a free market analysis uh home comps and such uh, Kristen Roach will do that for free for you. So call her up. 856-906-9295. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a home, call Kristen. Again, Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. Brandon. Back after this. Back here for our final segment on
1: BGN Radio episode 161. Jimmy, speaking of things that people don't care about in terms of episode number, time to get to our picks records which people most definitely don't care about <laughs> right but i am 25 and 22 after going uh three and one against the spread last week you went a perfect four 0 20 so you're now 26 and 21. although i will say you know uh it was close you know half point away from being a push you know in that cardinals game, yes. uh you thought the cardinals were gonna get blown out and this goes to our overall records picking the eagles well, i thought out, the eagles were gonna get blown out yes sorry um eight and six And you were 8-5-1, just picking the Eagles game. So you're ahead of me now here. It's fine. I risked it. I don't regret it because, uh, again, it was close. Came down to the wire there. Uh, So getting into this week's games, though. And as we mentioned, the Eagles need the Giants to lose at least one of their final two games. They have the Ravens this week and the Cowboys in Week 17. But this week, uh, the Giants are 11-point underdogs in Baltimore. Jimmy, what have you got?
2: Eleven's a big number for that game, and I'm just pulling up uh, the Giants. I don't know why it's taking so long here. Here we go. Giants have been woeful on offense uh, over the last few games. They have scored. Okay, so last five games, or sorry, last four games, lost to the Browns twenty to six. So they scored six points. Lost to the Cardinals twenty six to seven. Seahawks. They actually won that game. Uh, 17 to 12 and they beat the Bengals 19 to 17. so they have failed to score 20 points in uh, each of their last four games going up against a good uh, Ravens defense uh, most notably in their secondary very good in the secondary um, but 11 points is a lot so <laughs> I uh, I don't think the Ravens uh, are so good uh, at this point in the season where they're just gonna run the score up on the Giants I will with not much confidence. Take Mm. the Giants and the 11 points.
1: Well, I'm glad you did because the Ravens, Jimmy, are getting hot. Okay. They're they're heating up heading into the playoffs. Lamar looks better than he has all year, and the offense as a whole is functioning better. Uh, I actually really like the Ravens in this game. I think the Giants are trending in a bad direction. Obviously, we'll see what happens with their quarterback situation, but I do think, I mean, I think the Ravens are for certainly winning this game. I do think they will cover. So I will take the Ravens, even though it's 11 points, it's a lot. Jimmy, the next game is the big one that decides if the Eagles will still be alive. I mean, obviously, the Eagles have to win as well, but they need help in this game. And it's the Carolina Panthers who are at the football team. And Washington is favored by two and a half in this game. I'm going to start this one off. Go I'm going to say I'm, I'm taking the Panthers, Jimmy. Okay. I'm going to say they do it. I am not a Teddy Bridgewater guy at all, which concerns me here. Um, I think the Panthers have like their one and eight in their last nine. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so not great. But some of those games have been really competitive. And I think uh, that speaks to Matt Rule. I do really like Matt Rule and I do really believe in him. For as much as I might not like Teddy Bridgewater, I do like him better than Dwayne Haskins. That's for sure. I'm It's not a Haskins guy at all. And I know that defense is good. And I know Christian McCaffrey is doubtful to play this week. But I think the Panthers find a way to pull it out. Therefore, I'm going to take them with the points at plus 2.5.
2: Yeah. So the football team did nothing on offense the first three quarters of the game uh, last week against the Seahawks. And then their offense started clicking in that fourth quarter. Like they almost came back and won that game. And I thought that, okay, well, Dwayne Haskins will feel really good about the way that he closed that game and they'll have a good week of practice maybe and they'll come out and they'll take care of business against the Panthers. But then he had this whole thing where he's he's caught uh, in a strip club with pictures uh not wearing a mask you know high risk somehow the the washington football team uh i I don't remember how the report was actually worded but they made a deal with the nfl that allowed him to practice this week what what's that what does that (laughs) what does that even mean but anyway uh They allowed him to practice. There's no question that he's a distraction. Um, Their backup quarterback, who I guess is their fourth quarterback at this point. I'm not totally certain on how you pronounce his name. I believe Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. Okay. Uh, Heineke, yeah. He did start a game, I think, in 2018 with the Panthers. Uh, Of course, the Panthers staff uh, obviously liked enough of what they saw of him to bring him over to the football team roster. So, I mean, he got some first-team reps uh, in practice today. I saw on Twitter, so who knows what's going on there, but they have a mess with uh, with their starting quarterback there. And you know what, buddy? It's just the football team being the football team. And I, too, am going to take the Carolina Panthers.
1: So we're both taking the points there. That brings us, me to the game of the week, at least from our perspective. I, I, I don't know. It could be a good game, though. <laughs> um, Eagles are two-point favorites at... Dallas football Cowboys down there in Texas. And uh, I'll let
2: you go first in this one. Well, I'm disappointed, first of all, if I may say, that uh, I'm not traveling to this game, and which means that I'm going to miss out on uh, the NFL's best press box food spread, if you follow my shtick that I do on that. But anyway, Cowboys, uh, unlike the Giants' offense in recent weeks, has been very good. They put up 41 points against the Niners. Uh, this past week, they put up 30 points, albeit against the Bengals the week before. So they're starting to click a little bit under Andy Dalton. This is going to be, I mean, Andy Dalton is obviously, you know, not. Um, you don't want Andy Dalton to be your quarterback, but he's sure a hell of a lot better than uh, Ben DiNucci was. So it's going to be a totally different offense that the Eagles see this week than than what they saw week eight. And they're playing well. I mean, they're, they're getting good play out of the receivers. As we mentioned, uh, Tony Pollard is uh, is a legitimate running back. If they use Ezekiel Elliott a little bit too much, then i um, with you. It plays into the Eagles' hands. But I do think they are going to put points on the board, and they are playing a lot better than they did earlier this season. And I think the Cowboys win this game.
1: Wow, out. what a villain. I think they win this game outright. All right. Well, Jimmy, you know what that means. I'm going to take <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game this week, and here's why. Okay. Cowboys... Still stink. I mean, they're not good. They're not good enough to win three games in a row. I and mean, so are the Eagles, though, too. Yeah, but they're yeah, but the Cowboys aren't good enough to win three games in a row. The Eagles are good enough to win another game here. Uh, the Cowboys have beaten Brandon Allen and Nick Mullins the past two weeks. Terrible, very bad quarterbacks. Okay. And Jalen Hurts is better, significantly better than those two players. So their defense, which is already bad, is going to have to deal with a better quarterback, and they're going to leak a lot of points. I think for the first time this year, I don't. I don't think the Eagles have gotten up to 30 this year, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. I think this is the, yeah, I think this is, this will be the first time this year that Eagles get to 30. I'm going to take them uh, to win this game in overtime. You know, it always feels like, or not always, but there's, there's been a lot of overtime games here, you know, uh, in, in the, since 2016, really. And by t- a lot, I mean two, I guess, with, with the Cowboys, but both in Dallas. I think it'll be another overtime game. Goes down to the wire. The Eagles defense, you know, won't be perfect. Because they're, you know, there's some issues there, and they're undermanned and whatnot. And I think, you know, with the way the Cowboys' offense has been clicking, as you said, the, the Dallas is going to be able to score. But I really like the Eagles' defensive line, which is really coming on here at the end of the season against that Cowboys' offensive line. Brandon Graham forced, or he had a strip sack on Danucci going up against Terrence Steele earlier this season. I think he'll be able to do the same thing. I think the defensive line will pressure Dalton into at least one turnover, maybe two or more. Uh, and I think that will help the Eagles pull out a win in Dallas, and it'll be Jimmy the first time since 2011 that the Eagles have actually swept the season series with the Cowboys. It's so been that historical. long. 2011. It's been that long, and the Eagles only did that that year in part because Tony Romo's hand got hurt. Like late in the season when they played the Cowboys and Stephen McGee had to come in. Oh, and play I remember that year. That yeah, game. yeah, yeah.
2: That was a dream team, of course. Yeah.
1: And I think before that it was 2006 when the Eagles mm. last swept the Cowboys. They would so it swept
2: just... them in 2017 if that game mattered. weeks ago. of course. That. But yeah, uh, of course. But yeah, they just but, played, they played yeah. backups in that, and they they still only lost six. Was it was that game 6, six, zero. six nothing? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So so they didn't even lose by much. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think the Eagles win this game. I think so. Obviously, I took the Panthers to win too. So I think we're trending Jimmy towards an NFC East championship game at Lincoln financial field in week 17 football team versus the Eagles, the rematch of week one, where all the season all started. It's only like poetic that it would end in that way. So I think the Eagles win this game uh, and they cover, obviously it's two points. So they're probably going to cover if they win. You know, The Cowboys
2: haven't won. Uh, so the Cowboys went back-to-back games in the last two weeks. The last time they won back-to-back games was, uh, weeks two and three in 2019. Okay. Actually, they won I'm three thinking. so weeks one, two, and three. They started out three and out. Okay. They haven't won consecutive games uh, since then. They finally did mm-hmm. it at the end of the last two weeks, um, which makes some sense, I guess. But, uh, all right. So you're saying, uh, Eagles football team for all the worst, all the marbles, for the worst marbles on the planet. Uh. <laughs> yeah they're like
1: square marbles they don't even like roll properly
2: for the right to get their asses kicked in the first round of the playoffs actually uh, they, hey.
1: they could win a game who knows uh, oh yeah especially because i'm not a big believer in the bucks and uh i think for as much as it is, that, is probably is that who
2: it would be right now or would it be the rams
1: as of today it would be the rams but if you look at their like they still have to play the seahawks and then they uh they play the cardinals in week 17 still and the Bucks play like the Lions and the Falcons, so the Bucs are positioned here to get that five. It's going to be the Seahawks
2: again. You realize that, right?
1: Or or, or yeah, or it could be them. Um, but I, I think the I think for as much as it's the best, it's best for the Eagles in their long term interest to lose and get that draft pick. I do think there's value in evaluating sure. you know, Jalen Hurts yeah. further, especially in a playoff game and getting him playoff experience. And honestly, Jimmy, like if this team is going to play the, like they did the last two weeks and let's say they beat the cowboys and then they beat the football team. I want to see them play another game. Like, you know, I, I want to see that at that point. Like that would be worth watching to me. This team has been more fun. Like I just said last week's game was thrilling. So, like there's oh, entertainment there. we be hyped
2: for that again, of course.
1: Yeah. So, uh so let's see it happen, why not? Um it's been a, it's been a bad year, so why not see a positive thing happen? Jimmy, I want to wish you and all the BGN Radio listeners out there Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Uh be safe, obviously. Uh, celebrating and and whatnot. BGN Radio, brought to you by Right to Craft Jerky. Go to com. Use discount code BGN15 for a 15% discount. Again, help support the podcast, help support a local business. It's important. Get yourself some good snacks for the NFL playoffs that are coming up. Uh, whether the Eagles will be in them or not, we'll see. But you can sit on your couch and enjoy some high quality snacks by going to right to sell and using that discount code BGN 15. Anything else to me before we head out of here?
2: No, I'm with you. Uh, Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, Dan Klausner was was, was impressed with my menorah uh, knowledge. Uh, Yes. So yes, everyone be safe. uh, Have fun. That's all. Keep listening. Keep reading. Love you all. Talk to you next time. Bye everybody. Perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C L A U D E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude
0: 3 by Anthropic. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.